Hello and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. My name is Matt Lees and I'm joined by Joe Scrabbles. Hello. And I'm also joined tonight by Jim Trinker. All right. Hey, How you doing? Otherwise known as Old Dar Jim or uh, uh, various things. Twat. Twat. Uh, it's a Friday night. Uh, me and Joe have been sitting around drinking a beer for about half an hour, so it may be a bit of a tipsy podcast. So if you're not uh, that way inclined, please do turn off now. <laughs> what? I'm not... That's that's a big that's a big shout. The idea that maybe they'll just hate us and turn off. It's a thing, right? Honestly, people sometimes people go. It's a real split down the middle, right? It's also implying that you're going to start hearing like George is clattering about in the back. The idea, the idea. knocking <laughs> stuff over. Frankly, you know what it's like. Frankly, I'm upset that the, that one beer is going to ruin me to the extent where I have no respect for audio quality. How about the second one now? You know, you're going to start jumping around, knocking things well, over. I didn't promise by the end of the podcast I wasn't going to no, be I know, fucked out of my mind. But that's true. No, you're right. No, you're. Right, right now. Keep listening up until the point it becomes untenable. Yeah. There's a real split. There's some people who actually really love Dark Souls when it has slightly more raucous people on it, and there may be a couple of drinks involved. There are some people who really don't. Um, it's actually it's one of the the pitfalls of having a podcast that actually varies in tone quite wildly. <laughs> but I personally think that variety is the spice of life. So, and that spices beer. Spices? No, it doesn't really work. Does Delicious it? hops. Hops. <laughs> Sprinkle them on. <laughs> I need some hop stuff, baby. Let's see. Right now, turn it off. Now let's stop. <laughs> okay, so uh, first of all, um, Jim, what have you been playing recently? Uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Now I've heard some interesting things about this game. For my sins. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. I reviewed uh, Unity last year, um, as as Joel will know, because yeah. I mo- mostly did it next to him. <laughs> um, and the uh, and I, I really I was I really wanted to be behind that game because. I've had to justify this so many times. I gave it a decent review, basically. And I really wanted to be behind it because I was like, feels like they're at least trying to sort of move this tanker in a different direction and uh-huh. maybe maybe toss some of the old baggage. And it didn't feel as quite as laden with continuity and it was sort of keeping the the core stuff about Assassin's Creed that it, that is good. Not that there's that much of it, but the stuff that was good. <laughs> and trying to do something... That was in uh, just subtly different, but different enough that you could see, like, all right, they're actually trying to steer the ship somewhere. And they had the back backdrop of the French Revolution, which is, you know, just incredible. Even if they they just talk, even if it was complete nonsense, their depiction mm. of it, it was still really cool. And you do the storming of the Bastille, and you fight a man on top of a thing, and like it was great. And it's the, one of these and difficult ones, um, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of these yeah. really difficult ones, isn't it? In fact, that like when that game came out. Yeah. Um it was universally like kind of just seen as being like this bug ridden, unplayable yeah. mess. Which not not to speak for uh, the magazine that I write for too much, but it, it worked on Xbox One, but because Xbox One isn't a thing people talk about, yeah. no one really knew. Well this is a weird so this is the thing, it's kind of difficult uh, when you're reviewing stuff um uh, before launch mm. in the fact that you kind of often if you're playing debug code mm. um, there's often kind of you're given it with the caveat that there might be problems with it mm. and the problem with that is it's something which you're told almost all of the time and sometimes it's true and sometimes it isn't yeah. and really that um, you can never really know for sure yes and it comes down to whether or not you trust that PR but there are situations where you play a game and you go this feels kind of a bit broken sometimes mm. but they say that they know why it's broken it's going to be fixed and sometimes the game comes out and you kind of turn to them and say you've 
bloody porkers. Um, other times you go... Turn into a Welshman. All of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. um, other times you play it and you're like, oh God, yeah, like they fixed everything. It's just so much... Because often yeah, it is yeah. that like... It's like a painting. It's like, not finished. That happened it's finished. with The Witcher. Like the debug build they sent out mm. for that was just running like utter dog shit. And then yeah. the game came out and it was... It wasn't like perfectly smooth but it was fine it was um, yeah yeah. No, it's like getting right. the pieces right. in place but then there's also yeah. that problem of sometimes you play a game and you don't have any problems with it yourself yeah. but then it gets into the hands of millions of people and then you have these videos being uploaded on YouTube you've got things yeah. trending on Reddit and suddenly the consensus is that oh it's it's a mess it's unplayable and actually and that becomes really difficult because it becomes this thing of you going well I didn't really have that and then people assume that the reviews somehow are illegitimate or bent sometimes just because yeah. you haven't mentioned these things and you can obviously the problem is you can only mention what you experience and if you don't experience any bugs then I mean I've had a, I can't remember what I reviewed that I didn't have any problems with and everyone else had hell I think it may have been actually that there were lots of issues with Dragon's Dogma that I didn't mention because I just didn't experience mm. them there were like bugs that I just never saw mm. and yeah but that's bullshit because Dragon's Dogma is like one of the best games <laughs> I know so. right? also everyone was like oh it's rubbish the frame rate gets really low and there's like this weird letterboxing with it I'm like oh yeah I don't give a fuck about it we've <laughs> <laughs> seen the spell where a meteor falls down to screw you people but that was actually one of those things where there was a lot of like mm. jankiness in that game that again it was one of those games where at the time they were like it isn't done it, this mm. is a debug version and actually obviously it was but then when the game came out it was exactly the same yeah but i don't know if that's even a case of the prs were lying i think it's just that it was it was obviously uk pr japanese game so in a way when you have that kind of intercontinental they probably just didn't know they're probably like well they might be there. yeah i don't know like this is just what they sent us in the post to give to press um so yeah, I sympathise with you on that one really, and I can't imagine you've had a, a lot of fun with trying to defend that for a past year. Yeah, it's it's all a bit of a mess. Um, but the, uh, the, the I, I find that you it's very difficult to talk about Syndicate w- without putting it in context mm. of Unity, because like they are very similar technically as well. Like um, and it, you, you know a lot of the things that were in Unity are carried over to Syndicate. The uh, the general look of it it looks a lot like Unity as well, and there was a sense. Um, and I said this a couple of times, and, and loads of other people said it as well, that if Syndicate is not fucking rock solid right yeah. out of the gate, which everyone knew it wasn't going to be, but if it isn't, which it's not going to be, but if it isn't, um, then, you know, it might be a bit fucked. Because coming off the back of Unity, um, people are going to be expecting them to really up their game. It does feel like they've lost a lot of goodwill yeah. in the community. Because often, yeah. like, press goodwill and community are completely different. It's the yeah. worst selling opening to an Assassin's Creed game in the UK yeah. ever and you look at that and you go well that's not because Syndicate isn't a good game it's weird that it's the worst selling ever but it's still number one in the chart. well yeah of course like, that's just because, because it just sells people, that well people well, don't buy box charts, games yeah, charts yeah. don't matter at all no like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny what she's it's not even counting digital sales that no no that's it no. that's it like yeah. people people fall over charts and it's just unbelievable I remember yeah. one time there was something which was I think when the the, maybe when the DS was having a particularly bad time. Yeah. Uh, where it was like something was in the top 10 on the DS and it, somebody told me it had sold something like a ridiculously low number of games. Mm. Like something yeah. like 100 copies or something. And it's just like, there are some weeks where they're just low because people don't go and buy week games every single week. Mm. And there are some times when things are top releases, but if nothing's been out for a while, then you could be in the top 10. Sometimes the thing is something's been number one in the top ten and it will have sold literally like huge amounts of it. Mm-hmm. Other weeks it'll be like nothing. Yeah. But it'll be like, oh well done, getting the number one top spot. It's kinda like um it really frustrates me that actually there's still this 
tendency to use the top 10 chart lists as news items and yeah. as news hooks in the media because everybody who does it almost uniformly knows that they don't mean anything but it's a good way of like sparking off people and making it think it does it's like the equivalent of being like yeah I won the Eurovision Song Contest like but that year like everyone else got shot in the throat so it's, like, you know, <laughs> it's a bit of a, I thought uh, that was a historical point <laughs> this, this, this happened you know what <laughs> some Latvian went nuts <laughs> it was not a cheery year yeah, um, yeah. Um, I mean like Wogan couldn't do anything to bring that one back oh he could he'd be good with that <laughs> he was great no Wogan <laughs> Um, but is it good then? I mm, yes or no. I don't know. This is the problem with syndicate. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it. I'm kind of enjoying it, but I'm also it's the kind of enjoyment that's constantly sort of mired by the fact that you know it's dog shit, but you still like it. Yeah, like it's doing some things right. There's some part of my brain that is releasing endorphins because of this, but there's there's another part of my brain screaming at me. This is shit. Stop playing it. And that 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 sort of cognitive dissonance is going on all the time. The is, whole time I'm playing it. Is that how you felt about Unity as well? Not not to the same extent. I yeah. did I did feel that Unity was like you know it's got a lot of the same problems that Assassin's Creed has had before, mm. like you know the sort of the collector tedium and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think it's because because it was it was like it, it was returned to a, like a city based setting after we'd had had you know Assassin's Creed Four, we'd had Three, which is quite nautical focused as well, and it was dog shit. So like there was this one focus on this one city. Um, and it felt like it was it was starting to make a return to form to two, but also doing things that it that it hadn't quite done before and covering events that are quite would have been really difficult to cover properly with like last gen tech. So it felt like it, it felt like a start of a kind of of a kind of renewal of the franchise that which which would probably take a few games, but it felt like the start of something. Um, and then Syndicates come out and it's just Unity with Big Ben in it, um, and it's. It mostly just sort of garbage. Because um, I didn't but play, I like it, but I really like yeah. it, and I, I actually I, I've told this, I said this already, but I loved your article about um, the uh, the sort of the the, the the digital tourism angle mm. of of London, where, where even even if you live in London, um, it's like a sort of otherworldly version of London, it's yeah. like a fantasy version of London that doesn't really conform. To any sort of uh, you know any any geographical understanding of no, the actual city, all the landmarks are really close together. Yeah, yeah. By, you know necessity. Yeah. But it's sort of like, like as I think you basically said, it's sort of like it is London through the eyes of a tourist that just sits on the tube, getting off at the good bits. Yeah. Um, and and I'm just going to say that's a fantastic article. I'll, I'll put a link on the site yeah. to that. You, go, cool. you get it. <laughs> no, it's it's really no, it really, really great. Um, it's you know I don't actually take the time to read enough stuff about games I mean we were all surprised Joe's a fucking idiot I know, I know right? it's ridiculous I've never had an opinion worth having <laughs> he took a break from bumbling around my room kicking things was drunk and just bashed out this incredible piece of um, writing but no that, that's one one of the reasons why it's it's really enjoyable mm. because it's, it is sort of a version of the city that you live in if this obviously only applies to people in London so sorry for being M25 centric well, I, I can't, yeah. can't work but, out if it's like the fact that it's, it's, it's selling badly in the UK I kind of think look people in the UK are always saying for years in fact people have always been like oh make, make it in make it in London make a GTA game in London make an assassin people want London so badly and now they've done one in London they've done it but then I wonder if actually people think they want that but maybe it's Maybe that appeals more to Americans. Maybe British things yeah, are like because they it, love it. It is also a sort of it's a very Dick Van Dyke version of London as well. Well, right? when I I interviewed, um, it's good I can't remember what his position is because I'm going to slag him off. But I interviewed someone <laughs> who made the game, and yeah. 
he, you know, so what's that? Like a, at least a year of working on this game, probably two. Um, and he was still referring to the Thames as the Thames. And you look at that and you're like, oh, you don't actually give a shit about London. You give a shit about the place you've made, which is kind of emblematic of the whole thing. You know, it's this... And, and that's yeah. not a problem. Like, yeah, yeah, I st- yeah. I f- it's a problem that he still calls it the Thames, but that's an entirely different thing. He's got to deal with that in his own time. That's but, not a work issue. Yeah, yeah. But their focus was on making a workable game space that included things that we recognise, which is... That's fine. That's really cool. And for an American, that'll be enough. Yeah. And yeah. from my... Because they think that everyone in London knows everyone anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, not all Americans, obviously, but the amount of times people are like, oh, you're from London. Do you know? And it's like, no, I'm not going to know somebody you know who, who's been to London. There's lots of people. Um, I know we're tons. small, but we're really packed yeah. together. I think you look at it on a map and yeah. you're like, oh, they must on top everybody. Of each other. Yeah. Some people have to claim a ladder to get into bed. Like, <laughs> you know... But it's grim. I wouldn't understand. <laughs> it's a shitty little country. This but we room's love it. full it's of so, smoke. Well, it's barely so, see, Jim. It's so grey. Our government are it's practically so fascists. There's so much smoke. You can rent a flat to two people and they will never know they're living together. Just That's send true. help. Um, There's so much smoke you can use clouds of it as a bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite efficient, actually, yeah. It's very yeah. useful. I'm glad factories still exist. Right, exactly. I, I wonder but, how much this kind of like, this grief that you guys are feeling, this internal. Um, it's just a thing that you get with modern games now of being I like. Don't, I don't know. I think. I think specifically with Assassin's Creed, I'm not sure I would be feeling this way about Syndicate had I not had a year of having a really positive opinion about Unity, yeah. and then basically having the knives out. Well, that's because uh, yeah, I was positive about Unity as well, and uh, yeah. it was the same thing. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a wider problem with review events because <laughs> yeah. we were both in the same place, going, "It's all right, though, isn't it?" Yeah. Um, but yeah. like. Yeah, and my limited experience of Syndicate is that, yeah, I feel exactly the same way. There's stuff I really like. Particularly, I, I like how much fun they're having with the history of it as well. Like, we were just saying beforehand that yeah. it, the one, the, literally the first thing you do in London is bump into Charles Dickens, yeah. spill the pages of his last book, which yeah. is famously unfinished. And he goes, oh, the last chapters of Drood. <laughs> and you're like... Oh shit! They've already made the Da Vinci, you know, inventing coffee with Da Vinci joke from Assassin's Creed Two. Yeah, yeah. The totally, first thing I've done totally. in the main game, which is great. I well, love that. One of my favourite instances of that. Well, it wasn't an instance, but were, but it was like part of the codex and stuff, and implied in the cutscene was that Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon's rise to power happened because he had an apple of Eden. Yes. So, so you can imagine, and you used an apple of Eden at the end of Assassin's Creed Two, and you pressed a button and held it above your head, and everyone around you died, like with with electric bolts and stuff. And you sort of imagine, like, that is that what Napoleon did? Napoleon. Did he walk around the battlefield like ah? He walked into the Crimea. <laughs> yeah. And just killed the Russians with an apple. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. It's like you haven't really thought about how that would be visualized, have no. you? Like it's, he just stuck it on his hat. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like, walked around. It's like it's this similar kind of problem with, uh, with with Mass Effect Two when when they tell you that you know when they're they're building uh, a the Reaper human that's Reaper. based on human DNA, and you're like, was that going to be like fucking swimming through the exactly? Like, yeah. How is that? How is that going to look? But, That's why um, it's unfinished. They got to the torso and went, I don't know what how we finish this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what do we Should do? We give it a tail. Also, does it need a willy and stuff? And That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... Man, imagine that if you've taken too long preparing for the suicide mission. By the time you got there, had a massive cock. <laughs> <laughs> They've gendered it! No! <laughs> yeah, it made the boss fight harder because it could just swing it at you and shit. I mean, yeah. I'm, I was going to get into deeper problems with Mass Effect 2, but that's good. That's I, think, not. I think that would have been a massive um, problem, frankly. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering now if this is a, a weird, interesting, like, ah, it's kind of like inside baseball, but a weird, interesting effect of 
being a kind of somebody who talks about games and somebody who enjoys games, but in a public position on a level where you are kind of, you know, on a bit of a pedestal, uh, that means you have to deal with that equivalent of your mate who thinks a game is shit and mm. every time you go to the pub with him goes oh why are you playing that it's shit yeah. when it's just one person you can go oh fuck off like, <laughs> I like it fuck off but when you have like all these people saying something negative about something for a long time it stays in your head because I, yeah, I mean yeah. I get this when I edit videos now I'm actually almost a bit impervious to when I have people saying oh Matt Lee's just so annoying on the internet it's like because I've heard that so many times that I hear it in my head when I'm editing my own videos yeah, like, it's like mm. it's like kind of been installed somehow it's like this idea of it's been written into my head now mm. so it does it without the requirement for external stimulus yeah. so I wonder if the reason you two just find yourself kind of enjoying it but then also unable to is because all of these voices have just been imprinted in your well, head it's yeah. it's an ego thing as well like I mean no one gets into this industry without thinking that that, that they know best like yeah, yeah. I do think I'm right about games <laughs> sorry no but yeah, like, yeah. you know when so when I liked Unity and then the world went bad game, my brain went, but am I wrong? Does that mean I'm objectively wrong? Yeah. And yeah. like, and it, so it does have an effect on that. And that's going to happen to everyone. That's not unique to, no, 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 to yeah, journalists. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who goes, I like something, and then the world the says difference no. Is, the difference is you are the person who has to make a call. It's basically like gambling. It's like you have to put your chips in before you've seen what anyone else is doing yeah yeah and that's what's always terrifying and I found that well yeah. you know writing for OXM mm. same place you wrote for um, uh, being this thing of being like you have to often do like kind of not maybe not a world exclusive but you're reviewing something at the point which well, there's no opinions about this at all mm. and you have to just go with your gut and if you're wrong well not wrong but if you're deemed to be wrong it's yeah. difficult and it's this yeah. thing of like I've had that a few times I think mine was famously um, uh, what was it uh, I think it was Hitman Absolution which I reviewed from the perspective of an OXM reader who yeah. probably doesn't fucking know what blood money is or why it's so fucking good. And I thought, what does an OXM reader care about? And they want a fun romp action, something that's not going to be too intellectual, not going to be too much of a challenge. And you know what? For a mainstream audience, Absolution was brilliant. It was like a mm. fantastic, stupid romp, a couple of problematic things, a couple of things that were a bit shit, but it was gorgeous and it was fun and it didn't outstay its welcome. And it, was it a good Hitman game? No, it fucking wasn't. Mm. But would OXM readers care about that? No. But and that is a very interesting... Uh, uh, yeah, like you said, we're going very inside baseball, but it is an interesting problem for magazines in the age of the internet because magazines used to be bought by a subset of people who wanted this thing. Yeah. And so as a magazine writer, which is what I started as and what you started as as well, like you go what does our audience want and you know your audience because you're told what your audience is yeah. and who you're writing for and the tone you need to have because you're writing as an organ whereas the internet is personalities and the world yeah and you go and so, so it, it changes yeah. the entire outlook on reviews and that's why it's become this mad thing of like objective fact is this an 8 out of 10 scientifically and you're like <laughs> I don't fucking know it's like it's fucking like Call of Duty who cares yeah you, all you can do is you can be like you know and that's the funny thing is it's like I, I find it strange how people talk about whether or not objectively games are, are really good or not because it's like the first thing I get asked you know I tell people I, I play games and make videos about games they say oh what's a great game I should play and I don't come out and say you should play this game it's mm. great I say well what do you like well tell me what you like and he's like you know you you can't just just there isn't like one hat fits all it's this thing of being like 
sometimes people go, oh, well, I love GTA, and I love it. And I'm like, what have you played? It's an old one, but have you got a 360 or a PS3? Have you played Red Dead? And I'm yeah. like, no, I didn't. I'm like, well, you've got to play that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas other times, like, I would never say play Red Dead, because I just think, like, yeah. oh, if you can't stick with this for 10 minutes, you're never going to get through Mexico, mate. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's just, you've got to deliver things to people. But um, I find it interesting, and I wonder, because it's like Syndicate seems to have, have had a, a rough ride, or actually a really weirdly erratic ride. I've seen some people going, oh, this is great, this is what mm. Assassin's Creed should have been for ages, and other people just kicking it to death. What mm. I've really found is that it's been like, whereas it just felt like the, the knives were completely out for Unity, for the most part, like, you know, it was like, it felt like it was like 99% of people were like, it's dog shit and you were wrong, and then Syndicate, it had this like, it had this massive kind of defence force, and there's people who had the knives out for Unity were still there, so it was like, it's, it's, it's weird, but I think that it is kind of the worst game. Like, I've had people, like, insist to me that Syndicate is definitely better and it's less buggy and it's less glitchy. It's like, is it fuck? I, I, <laughs> I think it is... Uh, from Again, I've only played a little bit, but I do think it's worse than Unity. For some... Oh, yeah. Like, the combat is much worse. Unity made a really interesting decision that some people really hated, which was hard combat yeah. that's really slow like it was actual sword fighting and yeah. if you were against three people you're fucked and you have to run away and yeah. and I thought that was a brilliant move the idea that you weren't like the best at everything yeah you were, you were a sleek assassin yeah. and sometimes you, you, you can't just keep spamming the counter button to yeah. win you have to fuck off if that's what I loved about um, uh, Shadows of Mordor yeah yeah, yeah. yeah if like, you got surrounded you're like, you are dead there's a fucking army here and I yeah, saw yeah. people online complaining going oh but I can't beat this army it's like mm. of course you fucking can't it's an army but also, also yeah no matter how many ghosts you've got in you you can't kill those orcs yeah. but like yeah the, I mean part of the, Shadow Mordor went further by building that into the mechanics as well because yeah. you know obviously getting killed was kind of fun in that game yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah. yeah it's kind of it is an interesting thing like syndicates gone back to what people expect of Assassin's Creed which I'm not sure is the best thing to do a lot of the time no um, yeah. it's difficult I think after you've had um, that kind of knockback even yeah. though the problem was the knockback wasn't because of the ideas I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I've been trying to play around with Game Maker again and I had a a thing where like in my head for a while I'd had this sort of mechanic this like core little mechanic that was going to be a part of my tiny game and I was like yeah I'm going to do that going to do that and I was working all this other stuff and then eventually I finally got to this bit that was going to be a thing yeah, and uh, I put it in, and then I tried it, and it wasn't fun. It actually immediately made the game a lot less fun. Right. And then when I took it out again, the game became fun again. And I was like, oh, yeah. And it's this thing of being like, you think in your head, it on paper it sounds like it's going to be a really fun idea, but then you try it, and it isn't. And in my and then, world, then you extend that to a game that's made by six studios and yes. a thousand people. Precisely, that's it. In my in my head, it was quite disheartening because I realised I wasted about a day. But imagine if you've done it for months. And the problem is, like, you know, if you want to actually make these changes, then you have to convince hundreds of people that it's a good idea. Well, not that many. You have to convince the leads or whatever that it's a good idea. But then if the game does badly, trying to then convince people that the ideas were not a problem in that at all and, and you shouldn't just go back to doing what you knew worked before must be a nightmare. And actually, I realise that people always talk about innovation in games and being like, oh, I need to be more innovative. And it's like... You know what? Like, I find it interesting the fact that I understand. I kind of understand what makes a good game and what doesn't to a degree when I'm playing them and reviewing them. Mm -hmm. But then it turns out that when I'm making them, like, if you've got a new idea, there's a chance your new idea just won't be good. And so it yeah, means that yeah. if you're making a game and you want to be sure that it's going to be fun, mm -hmm. the only way to do that is to use things that you know yeah. are going to be good. Otherwise, you've just wasted maybe months. I think as well the problem with innovation is that it it 
you, you tend to see a lot more innovation, obviously, in the indie space, and it, and it's like this is the idea that if you work for a AAA dev, then you're just fucking jaded and shit. And <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's, it's just it's just because like you can't you can't get as you say a thousand people to make a, and finish a game without somebody deciding and driving the consensus. So eventually, all those individual people with their individual ideas and and, and have to just conform to a grand plan. And otherwise, you just wouldn't be able to do it. Well, it's also it's just too much yeah. of a risk. Like, to, yeah. and that's why I get it now. That's why you always have indie yeah. games, and then there'll be a, a, a rave indie game, and then that the person, goes on to effect, and then that will go on to affect everything else. Is because it's that thing of like when you're doing it on your own, it's not a huge loss if you waste your time. Yeah, and that's what I did. Like, I, I became one of the many hundreds of you know, thousands of people who tried an idea and it was shit. Yeah, but yeah. then somebody will try an idea and it will be amazing. Yeah. And then other people, the problem is until you until you actually run it and you go, this is amazing, you won't know. And it means you're never going to be able to experiment with that many people because yeah. it's just an unimaginable un, un waste of resources to then just... Can, and also, can you imagine being the person who has to go and have a meeting with a studio head and goes, yeah, you know that idea I pushed... It's shit. <laughs> like, we've just wasted like millions yeah, of dollars. Yeah. Sorry about that six weeks. So I've got a lot more sympathy now for, for stuff that does yeah. just... Uh, but no, I mean, I don't want to... The thing is, like, I'm, I don't want to just add another, you know, 15 minutes of, of podcast which, which is just ragging on Assassin's Creed. Because mm. I, I loved Assassin's Creed 2 and I quite enjoyed Brotherhood. Three, I was so psyched for because of the boats, but then I read the reviews and just thought, nah, because it seemed to have just all this did, did sludgy. It? No, it had like it said, it seemed to take forever to get to the fun stuff. Oh, it, oh yeah, it well, was, wasn't it like a twenty-hour tutorial? No, ten hours. It was. Tutorial. I think it was like eight to ten hours yeah. of of you playing the guy's dad. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, who was the better character yeah. as well? That was the oh fucking hell, because you started off and you were like you were playing a Templar, and it was like sort of like seventeen hundreds kind of James Bond thing where you were kind of firing about and, and, and working in the... In being the, a dick. Yeah, you know, just being very... Just just promoting colonialism mm. in the worst way possible and just killing people and being an absolute the biggest... Essentially being Steve Burns. And then... Um, <laughs> And then, like all of a sudden, he he like he has a son, and now you're playing the son, mm. and it's like, oh, this is the, this is the most dog shit thing I've played ever. And I, 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 it's really sad though, because honestly, I I really wanted like the open snowy mountains and the boats. Mm. I was like, oh, it looks there's, so there's so good. much to like about it as well. But it was just it's, my favorite bit of that game. Right, was the um the bit when you do the little prologue. Mm. And then you're Haytham and you're on the boat on the way to America. And there's this amazing fucking shot where he's looking out to the horizon and the camera just sweeps back and the and the title fades in. And I, th- I thought, this is gaming's Ben-Hur. This is going to be incredible. It wasn't they did, Ben-Hur. And they did the same problem with Unity, which was the whole prologue of Unity is Arno, the, ca- the hero, being like this roguish young man, like yeah. being like... A prototypical action dickhead, like lovable asshole, like like losing bets and then stealing back the things he's given to people, and like yeah. being just like a young man having a great time in a wicked velvet waistcoat. And yeah. then at the end of it, you're in the Bastille and you escape from the Bastille, and he looks back at these guards, and this massive shot of Paris pulls back, and he just goes meld and jumps off and I was like this is going to be the greatest action game of all time this is like this is all like fucking Bruce Willis and all these people I love in this man and then the next scene he's like in a hood going 
I'm very sad about being an assassin. And you're like, oh, come on, man. I just wanted a whole game of like this yeah. excited man and, having a great time. Yeah, totally. And then it's like, and my girlfriend doesn't like me enough. Yeah. And then she's dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, what? I think yeah. it's, it's fine. I think, we're fine I think it's all right now. But yeah. I mean, the thing is, the question I was going to ask is, I've still got on my shelf a PS4 copy of Black Flag. And I'm tempted because I've been. Thing is, I didn't play that because it kept being like, "Oh, well, there's a, there's a new Assassin's Creed almost out." Mm. I do fundamentally quite enjoy Assassin's Creed games. I loved Assassin's Creed too, and Black Flag at the time, everyone seemed quite warm about. And I'm now wondering if it is it worth it, or was it just that it was an early next gen thing and everyone did that thing? So Black Flag is um, actually like quite a bad Assassin's Creed game. Well, it's a great pirate game. Like, I never got past being on my boat shooting Spanish people. Like, that's <laughs> That was the game for me. It's just... Look, we do the cancelling session after the I've got this accent, right? and I have to live up to my <laughs> to a colonial heritage. But, like, fuck the Armada! Um, like, no, there's, like... There's so, there was something great. I want, I want a game where you're a pirate now. That'd be pretty good. But it's like, you're just like a mad Welshman shooting Spanish people. That's the game for me. Like, just being on a great ship. I think I might just uh, play that. Yeah, it's just sort of Gav Murphy on a holiday. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> I think, um, I, can't, I can't remember. Sold. I think it was Rich Danton on Twitter the other day set, brought up a great point, which is like within the first 10 minutes of that game, um, Kenway has called someone a shitbird, yeah. and you're like, "This is great. This is this is a brilliant character. Yeah, yeah. I like being with him." I just, I, I don't know. I've been, I've been holding off because I've been waiting for the return to form, and it feels like I've been waiting for a really long mm. time now. And I'm thinking maybe I should just play the pirate one and just <laughs> give up. I do wonder if part of the problem is that Assassin's Creed is the first trip. You know, along with Call of Duty, probably the first like AAA franchise that's going to go on forever. And we've seen this, you know, for years and years and years in movies. So compare it to, like, Fast and the Furious. First Fast and the Furious, everyone's like, oh, it's a cool action film. And then by, like, Fast and the Furious 4 and 5, everyone's like, this is bollocks. Because they still and make now, tons of money. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, well, exactly. That's the same with both those games as well. And then, yeah. And then it gets to Fast and Furious 7, and everyone's like, it's brilliant. It's a real, <laughs> like, it's a real funny, like, we don't care being ironic about it, look at the at these films. It's a pastiche I wonder if of we're gonna itself. Win. Yeah, exactly, and I wonder if we're going to... And, like, a few years ago, if you'd gone, like, oh, I really like Vin Diesel, which everyone does now. Everyone likes oh, I Vin always Diesel. Liked him. I don't. But <laughs> a few years ago, everyone was like, shithead. Like, he's rubbish. He's in all the crap films. And now it's like, he's a brilliant, ironic masterpiece of a man. Oh, and I don't like any of his films. I just really <laughs> yeah. like him as a person. Maybe. On his Facebook page. I do wonder if, like, in two or three years, it's going to be like, the expected Assassin's Creed is cool again. Not not in the hipster way of, like, so cool to like it. But, like, <laughs> but like I wonder if it's going to just be at the point where everyone's like, this is what we want again. We like this. Yeah, because no, I, it's a thing we I, have I, nostalgia for. I think... I, I think I think you may be right. I think we're I think we're actually starting to see that turnaround now because even though I think uh, I don't know maybe, maybe I was just very fucking jaded after the whole experience of Unity and mm. that's kind of why I was glad not to be reviewing it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and uh, I don't think you reviewed it. No. Nope. Yeah. Avoided it was, that. Uh, it was Louise, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, yeah. I, I I was I was quite I was originally going to do it and then I was on holiday doing stuff and I was like quite happy to leave that with you. You can take the heat. And uh, and he did. It's a huge amount of stress, uh, but it's like I think the the, the 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 sort of public opinion is starting to swing round, and I don't think that the reasons that people people shat on Unity 
have not been fixed in Syndicate. I think that's what's confusing me. It is just if in in those technical terms and in those terms of like you know it's boring collectathon. It's mm. full of fucking tedium. It treats history like it's treats history like a fucking litter tray to piss in. Um, if if those are any of those things fucked you off about Unity or any of the previous Assassin's Creed games, Syndicate commits all those sins and then some, and to the same degree, but somehow. Syndicate is now uh, the consensus is that uh, it's a big improvement on Unity. I kind of feel like that mm. one of the, the big issues I have with games like this and yeah. with all games of this type we've talked about is the exact same thing in the past mm. actually about like things like yeah. Far Cry and these sort of is this it feels to me like you're going to go and see a puppet show and the first time you see a puppet show you're like just so you're enjoying it it's amazing and it's just like this fuzzy wonderful dream but then each time you go to see a puppet show you've just somehow got more clarity until yeah. it gets to a point where you can just see every single string how mm. many puppet shows have you watched <laughs> 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 what <laughs> alright so this is like an analogy that might work with like an 18th century <laughs> Russian audience or something I don't know listen you can't you can't get them alright the right? thing is the first time you watch a puppet show it's amazing the second time you're just like who's the hand right. who's the hand in there I went back with the I, I started with you can see all of the strings and that's our problem yeah. and I ended up with and then you find out it's Graham Menzies, <laughs> the famous puppeteer who I love. The problem with coming up with analogies on the spot is sometimes you come up with gold and sometimes you yeah. just, you've just pulled some shit out of the river and <laughs> said it's a fish. Um, and that might have been what happened. It's a great, it is a good analogy. I was just impressed by your knowledge of puppets. It, it, it just raises shows. questions is the problem. It does, it does. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, I just feel like that's why I, I, I can't enjoy any form of MMO anymore. That's why like, I love Destiny because they've managed to somehow get around that like, mm. and stop you from feeling like you're just standing there pressing one, then three, then two, then one, then four, then three, then one. Mm. And like you're kind of breaking that spell of being like, hey, look, it's dynamic combat. And it's like, no, it never is. You just do better animations every time and temporarily trick me. Whereas like, I feel the same thing is sort of true with, with these sorts of games. You kind of enjoy them the first time, but then the more times you spend within that framework, you just can't help but see the machinations and feel that you're a bit of a, a dickhead for doing it. Well, it's like the first time you see a puppet show where they use those little sticks under them instead of the strings. Yeah, right? Yeah. Puppets. Unbelievable. Oh, I can't believe they're trying to pull that crap. <laughs> I'm a puppet aficionado, I'll have you know. Anyway, that's... You, you just <laughs> held your head like like a lost art. <laughs> like, oh, it's, so, it's all gone now, the puppets. No, that, that, was, that was more like kind of a classic radio of me putting my head in my hands going, oh, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> But I didn't let it, it them know. And yeah. now you've let them know. It's pretty matter in here. <laughs> you've disappointed everyone. We're revealing the strings of podcasts. Listen, I'm going to talk really briefly about um, uh, two games. Uh, one game which I didn't really rate that much and one game which I think is actually really cool. Um, I'll be really brief with the one I don't like that much because there's no point um, being a dick. Um, a game called Rebel Galaxy, getting quite a lot of uh, positive buzz at the moment. It's an indie game. Mm-hmm. And it's actually only made by two dudes. And considering that, it is pretty impressive and just because I didn't like it it's maybe worth having a quick look because it might be for you it's basically um, a kind of single player space game where you go around do some mining do some bounties shoot some ships upgrade your stuff you know like one of those old school like the sort of things we had in the 90s when everyone had a joystick on their permanently on their table and I love that stuff um, it's main kind of hook is the fact that it's a bit firefly in the mm. fact that it plays loads of kind of like, I don't really even know what the correct term is for the genre, but it plays like lots of like... Western? Yeah, it plays lots of kind of like crap American t- country rock. 
Jesus. Like, I don't know what it is, that kind of like... stuff. So, yeah, the Yeah, it's basically like kind of a slightly poor man's version of, of the intro to Firefly, but most of the tracks, when you kick into combat, starts going, I'm on tree. And... For some people, that is like kind of an immediate kind of gaming erection, and they just love it. Um, but personally, I'm not. I, I think it was more of a testament to how much I liked Firefly at the time that yeah, I yeah. got behind all of that. Yeah. Um, when it starts to do this sort of modern western stuff, I'm just like, yeah, all right, it's not that good. Yeah, yeah. The song's not that good. Some people are loving that though. Um, I just sort of feel like it's a. Uh, because I kind of had it. I saw a few sites talk about how it's like it's like Firefly, and and I was like, well, it isn't. Because what was good about Firefly was it was had really witty characters and and really unexpected plot developments and you know I would have loved it if they'd made like kind of Firefly the game but not you know sort of a version of the universe that doesn't you know have an actor in it who is a piece of shit um, and um, but it isn't um, quite that and it's weird it, I think it's worth mentioning because it does this interesting thing of basically rather than it being like that traditional three D space of being like like space yes that you can move in any direction the way your ships kind of fly is they basically fly like cars in a weird way and it doesn't it takes you a second to notice that because it's not like you don't feel like you're on rails but it basically is a kind of case of you sort of steer them around on a flat plane um, so it's kind of like you're playing a 2D game but from the perspective of the yes pilot. exactly that but it has the cool gimmick that I do like is that it has kind of naval style warfare so it basically means that oh. you do have turrets that shoot in every direction but how you largely fight is from the side and it means what you do is you boost up and then you turn the camera around and when you turn the camera around to like about 80 degrees or something it pops up with a little like aiming thing so hmm. you can start firing sideways is this black flag I was going to say <laughs> you should play black flag if you like that. well yeah so this <laughs> is the thing it's basically like I, I, it's quite enjoyable but um, it's not it's not quite tight enough and the problem is that um, really what it does boil down to is it's a lot of waiting a lot of like warping across the galaxy to go from one place to another and then occasionally being interrupted by fights but it, it becomes this weird thing of it doesn't quite have the character of a kind of really solid sci-fi thing and the sci-fi characters that pop up they're kind of just like aliens and it's like yeah you're not really grabbing me here and it's weird how like I found it really interesting how it's like just taking away that 3D axis axis even though I often actually these days I find I try playing Elite a bit and I found myself just a bit too lost to really get into it um, just by taking away that that full 360 axis of exploration and just making it that it does feel more like you're kind of driving through space from A to B mm. does just really detriment the sense of place you know it doesn't feel like and I think a real thing if you're gonna spend hours going to an asteroid field mining stuff and then going over here and fighting and then you know selling some stuff here because it's worth more money you need to really feel immersed in that like mm. you need to feel like you are a kind of yeah there yeah. would it be better if it was 2D I think it would that's the problem is I, I've no. actually played like what's that what's that bloody iPhone game that's like a really good oh like, um uh, Galaxy on Fire? No, it might be Galaxy something. So the, the thing that it reminds me of you talking about it is there was a, I don't know how au fait you guys are with 90s Mac shareware, um, <laughs> but there was a, a series of games called Escape Velocity, which were essentially, they ripped off Elite, but turned them into single player, slightly story led games that were all done from 2D. And I was obsessed with them. Like the, I think Escape Velocity 2, maybe, just 
like as a kid was the most amazing thing I'd ever played because it was that total interaction. It was like trade, mining, build your ship up from a little one to a big one, get to know aliens. Like it was, that was it. And it didn't force you down any paths. You could just follow storylines if you wanted to. And that lives in my head as like, this is one of the, arc- this is how you do space games. Yeah. Even though going back to it, it would probably be a bit shit. But to me, it sounds like Rebel Galaxy is trying to capture a bit of that. But yeah, I guess so. But the, the, that's kind of the thing I found is that I've played a few games like that where it's top down. I think there was one like Space Miner or something. I can't remember. But it was like, it may have been on the Xbox 360 actually. I don't remember. But I remember it was like a top down, like fly around, shoot stuff, collect things, upgrade your ship. And that stuff is great fun. Mm. And I like that. But it's weird how like what they kind of did was they took that, made it kind of 3D. And then you get all of the kind of the realities of like, you know, uh, momentum being slow and having to like, you know, shift around and rather than just being able to like turn on a pin and shoot stuff Mm. and all the fun things that you get with a kind of top down um, arena. But then also like having that kind of open world thing of being like, yeah, well, if you want to go from here to here, it takes like 30 seconds of real time warp. Mm. And it being like, ah, I actually quite enjoyed it at first, but then I just realized that how much of the game I was spent me just waiting for me to warp from A to B. And I was like, this game has barely started and it's already wasting quite a lot of my time. And I'm like, how much time do I want to put into this? Especially because mm. the story was like lots of aliens just going, blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not down for this. I think I'm more forgiving of that on handheld things. And that's why, I, yeah. um, but on PC, it's like, I could be playing a lot of things. Hmm. But um, no, I mean, lots of people do read up about it because it is made, it is a game that's an indie game made by a couple of people. Uh, they seem like good dudes. It's actually really quite impressive considering it's just been by a handful of people and lots of people really seem to dig it. Wasn't um, it like number one on Steam at some point? Yeah, it's yeah. really popular on Steam at the moment. And that's why I, I just wanted to check it out, basically, because I was like, this is clearly kicking off. Mm. So I thought I'd check it out. And it was a, I was a bit disappointed because I was like, I sort of thought, oh, this is going to be good. And then about an hour in, I'm like, I don't think it is, actually. Mm. Like, I think it's just okay. That's no good. Um, it's a shame. It's because it's that weird thing of like, just, just by kind of having a spaceship that drives around like a car, it's sort of, you lose a lot of the universe somehow. Like, yeah. You lose a lot of a, a sense of place. Do you ever play a freelancer? No, but it's I heard like, so much about it. It's sort of like, um, kind of, I think it's regarded as like being the last kind of great space game. I'm pretty sure it was your man making. Uh, oh, totally Star forgotten. Citizen. Star Citizen. Yeah, was yeah, it I think Chris Roberts. Yes, yeah, I I'm think it was sure. him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, so that was an interesting one because I I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a very arcadey kind of version of the whole elite thing. But um, it was it was okay. It was really enjoyable. But one thing, one night completely ruined it for me. It was I was thinking I was on forums or, or I don't know, looking up something about the game because I completed the game, the actual story that came with the game, and then it just expands. It like there's an entire kind of like region of space that you don't actually get into until you finish the story. And I was sort of looking for things like. Uh, you, you know, other, other things I can find, other other things I can do that are worth kind of pursuing with this because I'm really enjoying playing this. And somebody just sort of casually mentioned that all the planets, it was it was full 3D motion and stuff when you were actually in the ship. And fl- flight between systems and planets was in this kind of warp gate thing where you can, they were like tunnels. It was like, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it was like loads of stargates one after the other that mm. you went through. And somebody mentioned casually that all the planets and all the space stations were on the same plane. Yeah. And it fucking ruined the game for me. Yeah. (laughs) It it, it, like literally ruined it. I noticed it when I was playing. I was like, I 
I can't get past yeah, this. Yeah, I, I can't speak yeah. yeah. And that's why I mentioned yeah. it. It's, it's this weird thing of like, I quite like Rebel Galaxy and good, but as soon as I realised everything was on one axis, it suddenly just, something broke. And it just, I wasn't interested anymore. It was yeah, like, yeah. why? I don't get it. Because yeah. it, it was top down, obviously. But, oh, that, yeah. but anyway, um, I didn't get on with that as well. But if you love that kind of like, then do check it out because it'll probably be your bag. Um, personally, I'm into good music. Sorcery Three is a um, is a game I've been playing because I got a little bit tickled um, when I was at GDC last this year, in fact, um, by the Inkle talk, and we recently covered 80 Days on Cool Ghosts made a video about that game, which you should watch because I love it and put loads of my heart into it. Um, even though I wasn't even really talking in it that much. But no, Inkle, I think, are really interesting little studio, really interesting um, philosophy towards how they actually build their games and how they create engines that writers can just jump into and basically like allow a system where they can just basically go, you write, write, and then allow people to basically understand the system where they can code a game without understanding coding and then they turn it into something beautiful. It's sort of lovely that Inkle are a have made something that they work with and let other people work with as well. Yeah. Like, not without any other kind of like, you know, it's not like, you know, people going, buy our engine. It's just, here's a thing. Like, we use it. We think it's good enough. Yeah. Have fun with it. I mean, that's kind of, that. it was actually, I mean, GDC this year, like, I'm really excited to go next year as well. Um, It was kind of what triggered a part in my brain of being like, I think I want to, like, try and make something. Mm. Like, not necessarily like I want to make games for like you know a job, but I kind of it left me feeling I want to try and do this. Mm. And it was actually that talk specifically, just because it was this this way that they basically been like, well, we want more people to do stuff, so we create this thing. And basically, it seems to work that if people want to do stuff, they just go to them and say, I really want to make a game about this. And if they're good writers, then they basically will give them the tools to do it and well, maybe no, work think, with them. I think Inkle Writer is freely available. Oh right, like, okay. I think you can just that. Well, maybe I'm I, I, I think you can get it from their website. You probably can, but I think it's more that like they then collaborate. They, they will with, publish it with you. Yeah. They collaborate with people who they think are doing good things, and mm. they will get the art and stuff and make it all work and make the kind of magic work. I think even that's. I think that's how they got Meg Giant on I'm pretty sure. days as well. Like I think she used Inkle Writer, and they went, "This is awesome." Yeah, I might I think have made that, that story. I don't know, but yeah, we're I mean, great at journalism. Facts. <laughs> it's hard when you're live because yeah. usually you've got the internet. Yeah, and it's, it's true. You know, so, yeah, go on, I don't know the fuck that you guys are about. So, uh, Eighty um, days. Uh, we've uh, talked about. A lot, oh no, but, um, I don't. Yeah, that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, um, it's fine. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's this thing of being like, okay, well, I thought I've got the time. I can let that talk be. Like, maybe I should have a crazy idea for a thing and pitch it to Inkle or something and I was like it was just the idea in my head the seed of being like maybe you could do something and I found it really inspirational but but having said that it was just because I watched this this talk they talked about a lot of the procedures they went through and a lot of like the kind of rough early things they made that didn't quite work mm. um, and one of the things they talked about that they were quite proud of was Sorcery 3 so having loved 80 Days I wanted to check it out and it's really good have you not played the other two Sorceries? no Oh my god, go back. It's unbelievable. Should that I go whole back? series is amazing. Is I, it- I played it I've I played Sorcery One and just that was that was the first Inkle game I played. Because I just jumped into three because I wanted to see um the kind of because I in the talk they talked about how they technically kind of ramped it up a yes, bit. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to see that. I wanted to see yeah. like what they'd done to like make it kind of a bit more because obviously 80 days is quite simple technically. You just move mm. around nodes and it changes each time, but it's it's very really the kind of actual kind of game side of things is very very basic mm. but um, I wanted to check it out but yeah is it worth me going back yeah so Sorcery 3 is the best game mechanics led 
sort of of the, of the three but it is a series so you get a story that follows all the way through so and it also cloud saves so i can download all the actions i previously had into the next chapter each time what yeah so sorcery one leads into sorcery two leads into sorcery three you are doing a journey through that world um, all right well i'm gonna go back then yeah you should but, but so, um, so sorcery one is kind of a fairly standard choose your own adventure made into a video game with some flourishes sorcery two is more clever but it has it, it takes so long like sorcery one i think is about an hour i think sorcery two took me like weeks to finish wow because it has this time travel narrative where you end up going on the same on the same journey through the same city but down different routes each time and then sorcery three is uh, as you know yeah is, uh, weird looking into the past by shining lighthouses at stuff well that's the thing which it's, is cool it's kind of an it's Weirdly, kind of like it's they've taken, and I almost I was going to research this before. <laughs> this is terrible. We are terrible mm. at what we do. Uh, I was going to research it before, but it's a weird like it's kind of a choose your own adventure. Well, it's based on an old choose your own adventure series, like an yeah. actual series that they I know adapted that, for. I was like, when because the thing is, when I'm playing Sorcery Three, though, I'm like, how? Yeah, I can tell sometimes because sometimes you'll like get to certain bits in the, in the story, and and it'll have pictures and these really nice illustrations, and you can tell because. And this isn't a slight, it's just the sort of thing that arseholes like me notice. You can sometimes tell that the, they've scanned in pictures from, from the, the books, books. yeah. Because sometimes it's slightly off, the angle's just like, not much, but it's like it's not completely flush. That bothers people like me. But it's still lovely, because it's like, cool. It's like they've taken this old book and they've kind of brought it back to life with yeah. modern things. But it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure book crossed with an open-world game. Yeah. Where you have this kind of slightly 3D map that you move around and you can't just be like oh I want to go from here all the way up to here you can only go to like it still does that thing of basically you're choosing go north go west go eat you know like but it just makes it feel so much more dynamic and time passes as you go and you have like rations so it's this thing of like maybe you've you've crossed the desert but then at one point I met a character and they were like oh you know at some point you should come by to my place and they point over to like where you've just come from basically and I'm like oh, do I go back? Like, is it worth a day or two of rations to go all the way back over there, like not knowing what what might happen? Mm. Uh, but what's lovely about it, and it, I think there is a couple of things mechanically that are really lovely about it, so I'll get into a second, but I love the fact that what it does is something so unusual for a game of this type, because basically it is a kind of choice-based RPG. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it allows you to do the same thing that you do when you're a kid of keeping a finger yeah. locked in the page, you know, of being like, especially because choose your own adventure games, they will quite regularly lead you to your death quite quickly. So what it does is if you die, then you basically just go back to wherever you want. So everything you do in the game, you've got this little thing at the bottom and you can just wheel it back and you can be like, do you want to go back just before you did that? Or do you want to go back a long way? And it encourages you to just do whatever you want. And I mean, sometimes you, I found myself just doing the same bit like four or five times just because I was like trying to work out if it was like, can I do something cool here? Or is this one of these situations where I'm going to get fucked like <laughs> one way or another? And sometimes there are those situations where you're like, okay, this is like, I shouldn't have come here sort of thing. But a lot of the time you're like, well, I could try this, I could try this. And it encourages you to do stupid things. You're going to go, I'm going to go all the way over there because you know that if you get over there and it's disappointing... You can literally just pinpoint, all right, I'm going to go back to exactly where I was when I made that decision and go back here. And I love it. And it's weird, like, uh, for a lot of games which are about consequence and about living with the choices you make, I like that this is a game that isn't about that. 
because it's choose your own adventure style so often you just die horribly in really interesting ways so this is what I was about to say I have a series of pictures from I think it's Sorcery 2 screenshots of whenever you die it gives you a summary of how you died and then it says (laughs) your adventure is at an end try again and so these are four of my favourites from the second game so one of them is you are strangled to death by a hundred snakes you have drowned in a forgotten hole you have been crushed and ground into powder and my favourite You've been crushed to death by a falling gentleman. <laughs> like, it's like it's it's fun. Like it it's makes fun it to fun die. to search for the deaths. Like if you think this is a dangerous, like crushed to death by a falling gentleman, I think is you moved. You see a ladder and you go, that ladder shouldn't be there. Do you want to move it? And you move it, and the guy who was on it falls on you and you die. And like it's, it's nothing to do with the game. It's just. You fucked around. Like, here's your death. Try again. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, but there's also, like, some bits where you kind of, like, I came up against it, and there was this one thing that kept killing me. No matter what I did, if I went too close to it, it killed me. Mm. Until eventually, it has this nice mechanic, again, that must have been a word search or something in the books, where you can basically cast spells. Oh, the spells are so good. And it's great, because it's the... It's almost like, actually, a game that you can tell comes from an era of printed material, because... You have this spell book, but you kind of want a physical one. I kind mm. of want when I'm playing it. I'm playing it on an iPad, and at any point I can go, no, look, I want to look at the spell book. But it's just like page by page of words that you just have to kind of vaguely try and remember, mm. and each spell does a different thing. And then when you're in situations, you can always, because you're a sorcerer, you can always cast a spell, and you can always be like, you know, and there are, often there's more than one solution to a problem. Mm. Like, But it's this thing of being like, oh, someone's falling from the sky. It's like, well, then you could be like, yeah. okay, you could make them like light as a feather. Mm. Or you could make them like you could do some wind to like push them up slightly, or you could like create something. And there's there's loads of different ways you can do it. And often when you're like, oh, what can I do in this situation? And obviously what's wonderful is if you get it wrong, then you get it wrong. Like I've had one one of the spells is called Big. It just makes you three times as big as you currently are. You do it inside and die. <laughs> and you do it inside and you die. And then also this thing of being like at one point like this guy was about to fall off a cliff, and I just went big, and it was like, oh yeah. By the time you have fully finished going to full size, he's fallen off a cliff and died. Yeah, because it's, it's like, ages. It's like that big. Oh. That didn't help. But it, so it has this nice thing of, you know, you're trying to work out what's the best spell to cast in each situation. And it's nice that sometimes one of the one of the spells is called How, I think, and it basically gives you advice. Oh, yeah, and it's like a weird whispering voice in your ear. Yeah. Just like such a lovely old school Dungeons and Dragons, like there's a sort of mystic guide. Oh, yeah, and you can like pray to gods and you get different yeah. gods as you go through and stuff. You've got like, changes depending on something. I don't know. It's weird. It's like it's weirdly heavy with things, but in a way that's... Also very light, and um, it, it feels like um, we've talked about this loads on this podcast before. But King of Dragon, Pass, yeah, like, it does it has that sense of like you are being placed into an existing world and you're learning its rules as yeah. opposed to it expositing them. At well, that's you. why I was kind of fine. I mean, I've I've got like reasonably far in the third one. I've got mm. like I've been through like I found th- three or four towers. I've got quite far. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's like six. So. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've been, to be honest, I wouldn't mind doing it again anyway because it's it's really enjoyable. And it, like, is, it is great doing it just like for anyone listening. I think they've patched some of the better systems into the old games as well ah, the, at this cool. point because I think it's, I think it came, started coming out last year, maybe the year before. Um, but uh, so you get choices that resonate or people you've met come back in each game. So you get a sense of like, oh, I'm building a story and you don't need it, like you've said. But you it's not nice. through. But it is really pleasant. Like in this game, I met this guy who I met in the first game and hadn't seen in the second. 
And he comes back and I was like, oh, the, oh, no way, it's this guy. He's like this kind of creeping assassin dude that I insulted once. And he's still got a grudge because I insulted him. And you're like, that's amazing. Like, <laughs> what, a, what a great little yeah, bit well, of world. I, I, I kind of love the fact that, yeah, it drops you into this world. And even just jumping into the third one, it's a bit like, okay, your mission is like you've got to get across the land and kill this guy. And there are seven giant serpents who are... It's a bit Lord of the Ringsy, and that's what's yeah. that's what's really funny about it. It's because it's clearly written at a time when they're kind of like clearly ripping off lots of other authors. Of, it's pretty hokey, but yeah, it's like hokey stuff. Like it's clearly a bit Lord of the Rings. It's clearly mm. a bit other stuff, but also it's got a lot of really. It's based on Steve Jackson books, and it's got a lot of really original, cool ideas in it that feel really fresh. And when you're playing it, like it's in its own right. Kind of the writing in the actual game isn't as like strong as maybe Eighty Days, but it's um it's really fun and like a lot of the scenarios and um like ideas in the game are just like the kind of fun fancy ideas that I feel is kind of lost in a lot of kind of modern fantasy uh, games mm-hmm. now a lot of modern fantasy games try and be kind of allegories for modern life and kind of deal with issues like race and all these things and I think that's that's valuable and that's a valuable part of sci-fi and fantasy but just having all these kind of weird sci-fi weird high fantasy nonsense like the point in the third game where you realise this, this land you're moving through is torn between two times and it's like one of it's like in the future and the past and yeah, you change it with these lighthouses and it becomes this thing of you you move the beam on the lighthouse and where the beam faces, like what's within that beam. Is like 2,000 years ago? Is like, is it, no, is it a few hundred years ago? It's like a thousand, or, a thousand I can't yeah. remember which way it is. It's either the future or the past. It's in the past, yeah. It's you're past. shining into the past and everything in it is existing in as the, it was yeah. then. So it becomes this thing of you being like, oh, you have to just kind of choose. You're like, well, if you want to get over there, then you shine it on the bridge and you'll be able to get over the bridge. But then you kind of go, oh, but there's a village over there. Like, maybe I should go. And it actually reminds me a lot of, um, like, Chrono Trigger, in mm. a way. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I just really, really like it. And I spent a lot of time playing it. And I was kind of expecting to be, I don't know, I, it's just inventive and fun and also filled with that kind of danger. Mm. I love that, that, that sense of, like, you're only ever one stupid step away from death and it is always a stupid step it's always when you think but what happens if I do this mm. and you kind of think this is probably bad not, not only that like uh, it's notable for like how much work they've put in so it's not just yeah. little details and the spells it's amazing how much writing there is about the spells like any situation you cast like three or four just random things and it will go It'll here's, tell you. here's a story a mini story about what you've just done um, but it wasn't the, helpful, but... <laughs> yeah, but to the point where in, like, Sorcery 3, when you're shining that lighthouse, there's a bit where there's a town. I shone the, I purposely shone the light over oh. half the town. And so half the town is dead, and half the town is as it was a thousand years ago. And it dealt with that. Like, if you cross over that, it goes, you cross, and suddenly you're in the past. And, like, all the writing is in place yeah, I know it's that, that because it's like when you kind of got a bit where you're walking up a path and the path is going to change areas. Yeah. It says like suddenly the path as you walk turns from like lush yeah. green to dark, and it's like. And, then, and there's another bit where it's like, you know, someone goes, "Oh, you need to go to this shop," and you're like, "But that shop doesn't exist." And you're like, "This is amazing! I can't believe someone sat there and accounted for me being enough of a prick to move the lighthouse <laughs> six feet to the left. Like, that's really no, cool. No, it's, it's very, very cool, actually. In a way, it's kind of been nice because it's almost like a lighter, uh, more easily uh, consumable version of the kind of, like, the, the RPGs I used to love growing up, like Baldur's Gate and mm. stuff like that. And even things like I really want to play. I still 
really want to play more Birds of Eternity, but I just find that the time I spend sitting up my PC because of the nature of my job and all that sorts usually gets used for other things. But iPad games, I don't know, lots of people like shrug them off, but I love them because it's like, it's sort of a game you can play when you're doing other things. Mm. Like, you can be in bed with it and people don't mind. And I don't know, like, I just, they're great for all sorts of things. But Sorcery, yeah, I'm going to go back and check out the earlier stuff. Should, but man, it's good. Like, I'm really impressed with it. It's just, it's very... I was just, I basically, I wanted to look at it mechanically. I went in because I thought, I heard them talking about it and it sounded interesting and I wanted to see what they meant. And then I was like, this is really cool. Mm. Um, and it, you can avoid, there is a fighting system, but it's not that great, but you can avoid it most so of the time. I quite like the fighting it's system. It's okay. It's like a little card, well, not card game, but it's like a little gambling game almost that you're playing. Yeah. I think it, it fits it's not bad. quite nicely. No, it, like it works perfectly well, but yeah. I just like the fact that a lot of time you can avoid it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of time yeah. you can just be like, oh, it's a fucking cast a spell, cast a spell. And also it has that classic thing that most games of that era had of just being a dick. You can be a dick. Yeah. Uh, and not in a kind of pointless being an evil way of being like, oh, I'm just going to... You can just... It gives you the option to just be a dick and get your way like you can continue the game by being a dick yeah like you can legitimately be a bad person I love that whenever whenever you have anybody approaching you you say like you hear a voice behind you saying good day sir and like there's always the option draw your sword (laughs) it is literally like whenever anything happens it's like draw your sword and most times it's like a kid (laughs) <laughs> I haven't done it yet but it's that thing of just being like it's always tempting just be like what do you want you fucking I've got a sword steal your presumably gold. you can go through the game just selecting that option constantly. oh yeah yeah. and at some point you end up dead right? yeah it's really like it's it, the, the game the sword fighting is such that like if you're too I think it's if your stamina is down then it's harder to like kill people as easily so if you keep fighting your stamina keeps going down. Yeah. Is that right? Maybe. Yeah, no, it's... But, yeah, basically it makes it hard to do that, but you could, um, which is quite nice. And it's nice when you're in areas where you have to fight a lot. It's really frightening. Like, Yeah, it really, like, lays it on thick. Like, some some parts of that game are hard. There was a bit in, in a forest, um, and there were lots of things after Oh, those me. invisible cats. Yeah. Snatter cats. Fuck those guys. And it was just <laughs> frightening because it was just the thing of like running away and they'd be like, oh, you've tripped over something. Oh, what is it? Oh, it's one of them. Yeah, like, it's another invisible cat. And just having to fight all these invisible cats. Just, I'm going to die. Have like, you got to the lake yet? Oh, I think I swam across a lake. No, not that lake. I know which lake you're talking about. That's no lake. I did. <laughs> That's a pond compared to the lake. There was a wonderful bit where I took some magic mushrooms by accident because it was like, "Do you want to eat these mushrooms?" And I was like, "Oh yes." Yeah. And then it was like, "You're having a conversation with your mother, who is a goldfish." <laughs> and it was just like this. It was a fantastic little fun bit of writing. But that was one of the points where I fell in love with the game because basically the writer had had a whale of a time writing this wonderful description of you tripping your balls off in a really unpleasant way. But it was just like, this is really fun writing. And it was nice because it was like, they've had, someone's had a lot of fun writing this. Mm. Like, I don't know. I really like that when it's that thing of being like, this isn't just, especially I think you get it in, in kind of Inkle games where it isn't just writing because the game needs writing. So the game needs a writer. Where's the writer? Write the game. It is like, there's the joy of, of writing and reading is kind of within it. And it just mm-hmm. makes it like, Something that just consistently makes you really smile. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go back, and that's and that's a hell of a thing. I'm probably about halfway through Sorcery Three, mm. and I'm willing to go back right to the start yeah. because it's really I cool. I think I'm going to get on this. You should. It's I think you like it. Really, it is, like, I've just been sitting here quietly thinking, this sounds fucking incredible. I think you really like it. Two very different games. The first two. Yeah. So you might go. 
having played three first might go. No, I think I could. I mean, the writing's still there. It's still like I could put up with it. I I just wanted to see. I mean, I basically was. It was kind of a mechanical interest that I went into it with it being like. I heard it was like a bit like an open world game. Yeah, um, and that's the first one where they do that. Really, of course, of course. But But, um, if you like choose your own adventure, and if you like sort of clever writing in games like this very little like it like Inkle really are a special studio like mm, between I think that and 80 days like it's, there's nothing that, I have a special section on my iPad just for their games like where I just put everything they make and everything they publish just goes in there because I know it's going to be the best actually I mean like I can't, I can't remember um, I think it may have been John from Inkle but it was one of the guys from Inkle I had my one of my few industry kind of uh, you know, kind of geek out moments. When mm. I think it was at the, the final day of GDC where I saw them. So him just hung, clearly, I was hungover as fuck, and he was clearly hungover as fuck outside of a pancake house in in San Francisco. I just had to go over and say, oh, "I just want to say, oh, I really like really like games. Uh, I'm gonna go now." And I think I I said it in such a confused way that he didn't think I was English, <laughs> which was amazing. But uh, no, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Inkle. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I do love do love sorcery quite a lot. Look forward to going back and playing some more of it. It's good, man. but I recommend you check them out, especially if you're somebody like myself who who really loves the kind of the the kind of high fantasy writing of of that sort of RPG, um, but maybe doesn't have time for the kind of eighty plus hour uh, slogs. Yeah, I keep thinking. I've been thinking about Pillars of Eternity so much. I'm thinking I might go back to it and just put the combat on easy as hell. And just enjoy the yeah. just bash through a story and yeah, have fun with yeah, it. Pillars of Eternity is a, it's a weird one. It's big. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I did like it a lot I did like it and I got like I got like 30 hours in and I was like you, you you really need to play for another sort of 30 hours at least to um, to get to a point where you can really slap a score on it and um, so you never so did I wrote a review and everything and it was like and it was like you know score pending and I was like it still says score pending months later pending to it's this never day. going to have a score on it because <laughs> I'm just like I have no fucking time to finish that game mm. and yeah they made it too big but it was like a lovely novel that game that's, that's what, I, what I liked about it like a lovely novel that was written by someone who really badly needed an editor but it was still good so yeah no and I think that's that's fine it's I think I increasingly find now that Back in the day, you know, with with the era of kind of Baldur's Skate two, you didn't have a choice. If you want something like that, you know, what else could it be on? Like, it's yeah. got to be on yeah. PC. Um, no, absolutely. But now, you know, because now we live in an era where you have a whole variety of devices that you can hold that close and close enough to your face to read from. Yeah. Um. Clearly, so I kind of feel like now I I, I love that sort of thing, and I really like the writing, even though yeah, it did need an editor. Um, but I kind of feel like now stuff like this on yeah. iPad is just perfect. I occasionally remember how amazing it is that Telltale have their games on iPad. Can you like imagine that a few years ago where you're just like, you oh, know, they just w- carry around adventure games? Yeah, but they, a lot of them run. Very I, know, badly. I know they don't run as well. But like, like that's still like if you I don't bought the care. Game of Thrones one. And it just didn't. It was like unplayable. Mm-hmm. It was like looping audio and oh, all sorts of so stuff. Good. It was just like it was real bad. I don't know. I mean, I just sad about that. I'm sad about that as well because I was like, this is going to be amazing. I was like, with my girlfriend and she was unwell and I was like, we can do this together. It'll be fun. And it was like, oh, this is yeah, trash. If I need a poo, I can take it with me. <laughs> Tyrion, come with me. Oh, I'm having a shit with Tyrion. That would be the life, wouldn't it? Well, oh no, that was a bit spoilery. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, yes, yeah. Fucking hell. Games and games and books and stuff. Can I can I talk very briefly about a game? Yes, you can. Go for it. Uh, it's a game that uh, posits an alternate history. It's got very complex controls. 
Um, it's quite uh, objectionable content. It's a very important thing. It's called Double Hitler. <laughs> Have either of you played Double Hitler? Absolutely not. It's, <laughs> is this, let me guess. Let me guess. Is this a game where instead of going back in time and killing Hitler, you go back in time and make two of them? No. Oh, so that'd be a good game, game though, right? That, that would be all right. This what do you is, mean that'd be all right? Well, because this is better. <laughs> Double Fuck. Hitler is a game that... Um, the idea is that Hitler was actually two young boys, one standing on the other's shoulders... <laughs> With a moustache painted on. Oh, wow. That is just wanted to be an artist. (laughs) But they get turned down for art school, so they start World War II. (laughs) Um, And it's essentially um, like a post-quop game. So you control the legs of the boy on the bottom (laughs) with uh, A and D. And then you control the arms of the boy on top, who is Hitler's face, um, who looks like a toddler. Um, doing things. So uh, the first level is trying to get into art school, and so you're tracing shapes whilst this these two kids like sway about, and you're trying to paint. Like I think the final illustration is trying to trace a chimpanzee pissing for some reason, <laughs> and then you don't get into art school. And beautifully, every time you the physics go out of whack and you fall over. The two kids like fall out of this coat, and there's always a great reaction to it. So like later on, you're like you're having to paint. It's basically um, like a trace the line game, but with bad physics um, in the bunker, right? And uh, and you're trying to trace tank movements, and every time you fall out of it, you get this lovely voice German guy just going Mein Führer. <laughs> it's so good, right? And it gets like. It's, o- it's only about like 20 minutes long it's really worth it playing it sounds like one of the greatest 20 minutes you'll it's ever have it's unbelievable double but Hitler like, double Hitler and the, oh, the final writing it down the final part <laughs> yeah, is, the final part is you trying to trace really intricate lines as you've got these two kids swaying and then like you can feel the explosions from Berlin at the end of the war and so it's like shaking your hand as you're going uh, it's just it's fucking amazing wow it's really quite something <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I think it was Andy Farrant from Outside Xbox told me about it, and it's yeah, it's magic. Like it's a real that is weird ins- thing. Double Hitler. Double Hitler. No, fair enough. That is way better than my idea. <laughs> Hands down. Yeah. Hands fucking Hands down. down. <laughs> He's in it. <laughs> oh, Joe. Oh. There's a reason you're on this podcast. Germans. Oh, have you got? Have you anything else you've been playing recently that you really just want to say is awesome? Mm, Hearts of Stone, really, really interesting. Oh. The Witcher, the, the 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 Witcher Three thingy, DLC, yeah, DLC. I yeah, saw, I got, all I got to say about that is The Witcher Three, clearly awesome. I really fucking want to play it. Yeah. I need to like give myself a holiday or something yeah. so I can do that. It's wonderful. I saw all these people being like, some people being like, oh, Hearthstone's great. Other people going, hmm, big disappointment. And I realized, what? It's like six or seven quid or Fuck something. Yeah. It's like for well, ten hours, like, and one of the greatest comedy scenes I've ever seen. It's in games. great. Right? It, I, yeah. it doesn't deserve to be called an expansion. Fuck. And off. this is what I couldn't believe is like, I yeah. saw all this back and forth, and I thought, fair enough, fair enough. But I was like, when I saw it, it was no, like no, six, no. seven quid. I'm like, really for like ten hours? That's that's it's really Come it's on. really really good. It, I mean, it's ten hours for like the main story. It adds a bunch of side quest mm. shit as well. Um, it's fantastic, and it does stuff. It feels like um, 
the uh, it feels like the sort of penultimate episode before a really really dark season finale yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. So like they're having fun and they're like you know like you say there's there's this really sort of massive comedy bit where anyone who's played happen. the wedding. Oh yeah yeah absolutely. It is unbelievable. It's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. In I talked like to that. them like I don't know how much of a spoiler this is, but basically the Geralt smiles and laughs kind of heartily in this scene. And yeah, it's not something you see him do. And I talked to the to one of the CD project guys who was just like, "Yeah, that was actually quite an animating challenge for us because we've never made that mo- that character model do that those things. Yeah. It was never rigged to be able to look jolly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was like, you know, and they had to change the gate and stuff like that for various reasons. But um fuck. Uh, That's all right. We're not giving anything away. Um, it's no, in, I, it's I impossible did. to guess what happened. Yeah, I didn't yeah, forget. And to be honest, like I've got so much stuff. I really want to, I've, oh, oh, it's so I get good. so angry. It's so like, good, is the Witcher 3 the excellent fucking wonderful Witcher 3 which is still the best game this gen by a country mile it is more Witcher 3 but they're doing things with Witcher 3 that you would never expect them to do and it's yeah. absolutely wonderful it's, yeah the, and, and the beautiful thing they've done with it is that you can have it both ways like you can either go into the Witcher and work your way up because it's a late game expansion or you can just jump in yeah or you can turn it on and you are given a Geralt that is level 30 and able to deal with that expansion play through it um, play through that alone and then start a new game plus with the character you have and do all the original quest stuff so if you just want to play Hearts of Stone you can and then start the game at, at I mean right that level, is, is I, I heard about that at the time and it's unbelievable in the fact that it's just it's it's so accommodating it shows a level of respect for a player's time yeah. which we just don't see at yeah. all like it's a case of like yeah we've got this extra stuff for you give us your money and then you get it and you go, oh, you can't do it until you've got... It's like... It just feels incredibly dated and weird that often games will will sell you something which you then can't have straight away. Yeah. Because it's yeah. possible to finish that game, I think, at like level 28 or so if you sped through it and the expansion demands that you're level 30. So it's perfect for people who have been like, well, I've played the game, I just didn't play it enough for you. Absolutely. And then they just go, all right. Here's your two levels, which yeah. is great. Like, I mean, what it's a just, lovely thing. And the thing is, like, I don't want to be like, you know, Captain fucking boring consumer, but it does just make good sense. Like, if people yeah. haven't finished the game, but they want to give you some more money to play something new because mm. they heard it's good, take their fucking money. Yeah. Like, but, I, no, I, I just love the fact that it doesn't waste your time, especially because it may be this thing of, like, people perhaps maybe have already, and this is something that increasingly happens that people don't take account for, of being like, you know, maybe you've played the game on your your PS4 and then you've got yourself a new PC and you want to play on the PC Mm. like you know just like you want to carry on from somewhere else like giving people options with this stuff is just is increasingly really valuable I'm really worried about the um, the Bloodborne expansion stuff because I love Bloodborne but obviously there's that thing of you know New Game Plus I'm back at the start of the game now and I'm worried it's going to do the traditional From Software expansion thing of being like well, play the game. Once you're three quarters of the way through the game, go to this location with this item, and it will just be like, oh, fuck. Because then it means like, I want to play it, but it means I'm going to have to put aside maybe like five, ten hours just to get to the point where I can play something. That I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to actually this time do this and be mm. like, do you just want to play the thing you bought? Yeah. But I don't know. I just think it's, a, it's an increasing thing of um, video games are often sometimes... A bit weirdly disrespectful of your time. Um, they might, they might, they, they try to be respectful of your money by offering value by being like, oh, you know, we know you're spending forty pounds, so we're going to give you like, you know, an an inconceivable quantity of shit to do. But I, I really, I prefer the other way around of it being like, you know, we, we know you haven't got that much time, so 
you give us your money and we're going to get you straight into like a really good experience. And that's something that I hope games will start to learn a bit more from, really. Because um, I can't stand... I mean, even like I, as much as I enjoyed it, like even like Shadows of Mordor was terrible for that, of being mm. like, play it for seven hours and then you can get to the game, like the, the full game. It's like, no, just maybe have that preamble there for people who want it, but really, that's kind of why I love PC indie games right now, is that they don't have that focus-tested curve built in. It's just like, you mm. buy the game, you play it. Like, yeah. You just you're in like within ten minutes you're playing the game like I don't know I don't have a lot of time. And... I think CD Projekt as well in particular seem to have um, and none of them have said this to me or anything but they just seem to have an approach to business where it's like right how do we just not fuck people off mm. yeah and then they go from there and it's what all... fucks people off don't do that thing yeah it's that's the thing is uh, like there's no. There's, there seems to be no cynical edge, edge to it. It's like, here, we've released a game, have 16 free bits of DLC. Yeah. Uh, what, 16, 20, something massive. 16, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then we'll release something massive, and you can give us some money if you like. That's perfect. That's how you build goodwill. You go, we're going to give you something worthwhile. Proven track record of that. Here's 10 more hours. You're like... Perfect. I honestly what, think what they're brilliant thinking. I think they're probably my favourite major major studio just because of the fact that yeah they they have a background of coming. Obviously, there was an incredible um, article on Eurogamer I think about their their beginnings really and starting as being like pirate DVD pirate game sellers really in in a country where it was kind of like grey market. It wasn't really illegal and they were basically yeah they were they were fucked off with the way things were and they wanted to make it better. So they did it in the way that they they had to in that time and that place and they're not ashamed of that and they shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, that's what they continue to do. They they don't like the fact that you know people feel like they're getting ripped off. So if you're going to make a big expensive game, you give people loads of good stuff. Yeah. But what I love about them is like they 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 take it further than that. They don't just do this sort of like kind of consumer fairness thing of being like, well, we give you what you deserve, and you we give you what you uh you know what you what we feel that you you've earned, and like um which is both really valuable things to offer. They also listen, and that's what I like about mm. them, is the fact that it's not just a case of them going in with their kind of... I mean, clearly, they, they have... That is part of their agenda. Like, they, you can tell. Like, they started off doing this kind of, like, games are too expensive, we're pirating them. So that is part of who they are, is wanting to offer good value for customers. And, you know, that's sort of not an unexpected trait to see throughout their business. But what I find has been unexpected is, even though now, like, they got a lot of uh, hack... Uh, uh, from like The Witcher 3 and lots of people being like oh you know it should be more people of colour and there should be less sexism mm. like, both of these things are true like but at the same time you look at how far they've come and you look at The Witcher the first Witcher game which was kind of a bit broken had some really fucking cool ideas had some cool atmospheric stuff was like absolutely horrible in terms of how it dealt with like women it was just like unbelievable it was like was that the one with collectible cards yeah every time you shagged a woman you got a baseball card it was just like honestly the first time that happened I'm sitting there with the fucking yeah (laughs) but that was the problem was I just just got to the point just before that I'm like this game is brilliant and then it did that and I was like I think I pretty much stopped after that not because of that directly but it just sort of doesn't but it. It's not long after. Off. It's not long after you shag somebody for the first time that you end up in the swamp for twenty hours. Yes, yeah. mm. that's it. I was like, oh, that was a bit awkward. Yeah, and then I was in a swamp, and then I was like, oh, I think I'm done with this now. And it was yeah. like one of those things where I was like, this is. It's been a good game, but I'm done with it. It's really good. Up and it, it, yeah, the, the Witcher is a really weird one, and there are people who swear that it's like the best Witcher game even now, which it fucking is. Oh, that's madness. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, 
Yeah, both. It's weird to me that both for me, The Witcher and The Witcher Two have um, have very definite points where you just cannot be fucked with them anymore. Witcher, it was the swamp, and uh, for me with Witcher Two, it was uh, not long after you get to the battlefield bit, which is essentially a fucking swamp because it's mud. <laughs> And water and shit and you know having to fight things. Yeah, I think I was in that bit where you you end up in the second chapter on one side or the other, and it was sort of yeah. ghosts and stuff. But it was a cool idea, but like, I fuck off! Like, <laughs> stop making me fucking. I think I think the uh, the open world, um, the change to open world for Witcher Three really helped uh, those kind of environments because it's all like really similar stuff, and it's the same world, and very obviously the same world. But yeah, you can. There's a massive swamp in The Witcher Three. Um, which is rubbish and horrible to be in, but you can just fuck off, mm. and that's brilliant. Yeah. Like, uh, no, I got the same sense, and I was enjoying The Witcher Two, and I didn't mind yeah. it being linear when it was like linear and pretty forests and cool monsters and danger. But then when it got to the second bit, it was like, oh, I just have to go from A to B, and it was like I just wasn't enjoying the the routes it was pushing me down as much anymore, mm. and I kind of lost interest with it. Yeah. And also, it became like the kind of the story just became a bit kind of like cliched and silly mm-hmm. and and also like massively like it kind of became that thing of like it was almost had so many references to like Game of Thrones and stuff that I was like Dude, you're breaking the fourth wall now like I can't believe in this world anymore because you're making you're just turning to the camera and going oh all the time like maybe not yeah. knowingly because I think maybe when they made that like it was more that the TV series wasn't even that much of a thing so they were like I just think, kind I of ripped off the books a little bit yeah and they probably yeah. thought it'll be f-. maybe they didn't I mean maybe actually yeah, yeah. The, the, the Game of Thrones books ripped off the Witcher books I don't fucking know but either way it kind of felt a bit weirdly cliched um, there's a character in Witcher 3 called with a D on the front but Django Fett oh yeah, yeah I forgot was, about him yeah, he's, like, he's, but, only, he's only in the game for like three minutes yeah he's, yeah, he's there for a side quest that you just finish with no trouble at all yeah yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it it's like I liked it in Fallout when like and it's a shame that Fallout games don't really do that anymore but I liked it in Fallout where Fallout was just notably wacky and broke the yeah. fourth wall constantly oh, like Doctor Who Star yeah, Trek and all this mad stuff would just materialise it, it was a random encounter and you would Monty of... Python didn't you yeah yeah. well yeah. Monty Python's all the way through three as well I think like you can find like a box of holy hand grenades and yeah but like it's that. not it, I mean this was like in Fallout you had a bit where literally you got to there was a bridge and the guy in a, ca- a cloak and you oh, had to answer enough. the exact same three questions in the oh, film. Nice. and I was a kid who hadn't seen the film so I thought I was like what the fuck I didn't get I had a clue <laughs> what was going on. yeah I, I, I didn't have a clue what was going on but it was like willfully silly nonsense but um, I find it a bit off when you're in this you're kind of in this fancy realm and then it just occasionally starts going oh it's a game you're like fuck off I do that in my own head enough I don't need you doing that <laughs> um, but no I, I, I'm I'm kind of uh, I want to get back into it just because I, I love that they they do you know it's like I think it's almost a bit unfair that they do for whatever reason I think because it is like a high fantasy mainstream thing and maybe because mm. they're not as progressive as say Bioware that they kind of they get given like quite a heavy amount of, of slack for it not slack hack sorry opposite things but they do they do listen and they do learn and it's like yeah it's it's one of the things where it comes from they come from clearly a very different culture um, I think they come from. They're they also. Um, they, they, it's like you've been saying. They're willing to listen. They're not the kind of sort of Jim Davidson pricks that are no. like, oh, if you can't take a joke, fuck you. They're actually going. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's why. That's how we fucked up. Let's not do that again. Mm. They're, they are. They. They seem to be real. And speaking to you know, speaking to them in person as well, and how they interact with their community and stuff. You. You, you think they, they, these guys really want to just make good stuff. Yeah. And not be cunts about it. Yeah. And it's weird that. 
it's an industry where that, that feels really rare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's exactly it. Because everybody wants to be a cunt for some reason. So and That's why I love it. Don't. That's why I love it. They don't, they don't have that thing of sticking to their guns and being like, no, we will have busty women and, and only white people. They just, <laughs> they just quietly listen and then yeah, each time yeah. they get a bit better. And it, it yeah, might take yeah. a long time, but yeah. I'm really excited about Cyberpunk because, you know, they, they, they're just... Who doesn't like tits? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, that's, that's, a gr- that's a great impression of the internet. <laughs> You're working on that. It's just an impression of the voice you just did before. Me. <laughs> but cyber, yeah, cyberpunk's going to be great. Like when they were uh, interviewed recently, and I uh, can't remember who it was, but one one of them, one of the leads, basically said that um, you know um, the development of Witcher Three has really fucking informed the development of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. We like we feel really much more confident doing open worlds and mm. how to structure side quests and how to make the world engaging and interesting. You say. If Cyberpunk 2077 is a more refined, better version, sci-fi version of Witcher 3, it's going to be the greatest fucking game of all time. So let's see what yeah. happens. Like but actually, in, in coming all the way back around, talking about like a thousand people trying to make a game, when I interviewed uh, about the Hearts of Stone expansion, I was asking, like, you know, you've got to ask about the next mm-hmm. game. So I was like, oh, what about Cyberpunk? And he was like, well, the thing about it is I don't know anything about it because actually it's a really secretive group of about like 10 people planning that game. At the yeah. Moment. And you're like, that's perfect. These 10 guys are just coming up with all the ideas and it's not going to be someone, you know, a thousand on the other side of the world going, oh shit, this idea is rubbish. It's going to be these 10 guys who are just talking and making a great game. That's perfect. I love it, yeah, that they announced it. it, and then they're like, oh, yeah, it's not coming out, so like... 2017. 2017. It's like, they're like, oh, we barely started it. Yeah. And that's, it's like, that's great. Good. Yeah, well good. done. Because it's like, in any normal studio, they would be working in that classic, like, we need the money to come in every year. Mm. We got investors to please. They need, like, they need to see a bump every single year. It means you get into this cycle of having Studio A, and then next year, Studio B, and then year after that, Studio A, and you have this, like ping pong effect where games are being developed in tandem which is like good in business sense but it means you never actually get time to reflect on like the actual feedback it means that all you have to work from is maybe the feedback of your last game or maybe not even that maybe the feedback from the game from the other studio before yours yeah before you start and then you have this weird thing of like this is the problem we have with like games like call of duty and games like uh, Assassin's Creed where like, a game comes out the year a year after and everyone's like oh, it doesn't seem like you've learnt from last year it's yeah, like, yeah. how could they, could. they have done and, and, like, and, and, yeah, the, 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 the major misconception that I feel like I'm always correcting is this idea that they make an entire Assassin's Creed game in 12 months mm. like they push out Unity and go let's get cracking on London lads it's like yeah. fuck like, they, they, were work- they were working on Unity I think when they finished Brotherhood like yeah. it was mm. It, any, yeah, it's, it's madness just, but this is the thing is I yeah. love that what they've done with this with the model for you know what they did with The Witcher 3 of take ages make something that's amazing sell a ridiculous quantity it's, it's similar to the GTA model really of just mm. being like take your time make it amazing put it out and it's I think it's it's not a model which keeps investors happy at all no and I think no. it's that's that's a problem and um, I, I'm excited to see that they aren't like demoing 27 uh, 277 is it 277 yeah. yeah um yeah. I'm glad they're not because it, otherwise it would be this thing of they'd never I mean yeah. as it was they fucking they didn't luck out they did a good job but their first open world game Witcher 3 was ace and that was just weird because it's like that doesn't happen well yeah the, the, a lot of people were really worried about that transition mm. people who really liked the first two Witcher games you sort of like Oh no, because it, it, they it, I I didn't have any doubt that it would be better than those games because I thought 
it's it, it always felt like Witcher Three was going to be the version of those games that I wanted and had always wanted. My my only my only concern was just that. Ah, oh, but still, what if there's a bit like two thirds of the way through that's fucking terrible? But no, that, that it never happened. Um, well, I just so think that open world games are just a different beast. And oh yeah, I thought it was like no, they right. might fuck it up. Um, but I felt like the reason The Witcher and The Witcher Two weren't quite open world <coughs> wasn't a sort of design. It, I, I didn't feel like I felt like they might have wanted to do them open world, but couldn't because of resources and things. Yeah, because like. This, in the first Witcher game, especially, this, there's like all these massive, expansive open areas, and like you, you get the impression that they wanted to be able to give you a world where you can just see something in the distance and go and dick about. And there, there is that to a point. Um, it's just, it's not, it wasn't quite like a Bioware game when it was all these sort of little pockets of bits where you could explore. Sure. It felt, it felt like the world was meant to be more connected than that. So. I mean, I, I, I do suspect that Witcher 3 is the game, is the Witcher game that they always wanted to make and they just oh, can't have to make one and two. Of course, but often when, when devs have the power to make the game they always wanted to make, it can still be yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. out of control. Absolutely. But, yeah, but the most notable thing about The Witcher 3 to me is that despite being a functionally, what well, is more than functionally, it's like, you know, it is an incredible game structurally, it still feels like those old Witcher games where it was just stories everywhere writing everywhere like hard work went into that game yeah. it wasn't you know Red Dead's an amazing game but filler, it's, yeah. Red Dead was a game where you came across the same guy hanging from a tree across the world because they had ambient events and that's just mm-hmm. how it works but in The Witcher 3 everything is scripted that you know that fucking griffin you see circling on a hill is meant to be there and they put it there because that's where you're meant to have that boss fight and you can come across it at any time but it, it's there for a reason, and every quest is there for a reason. It's still, it's still a linear structural game, in as much as they've gone. This is here. This is here. This is here. This is the experiences we give you. It's just open, like yeah, and massive. Yeah. yeah, it's just fucking huge. Yeah, yeah. which is amazing. No is. one puts that much work. But into I just think, to me, it seems like the fact that they decided to pretty much wait until The Witcher Three was out and done before really going full steam ahead with Cyberpunk, it may well have just been a finance thing. It may well have been mm. like, well, we want to know how much money we've got to play with. We don't want to get into trouble. It may have been purely pragmatic on that level. But it just feels to me like, it feels slightly more like a more pragmatic approach that you often don't see with the bluster and, and ballsiness of a lot of kind of mm. Western publishers yeah. of being like, we've got this successful franchise. We're going to start a second successful franchise. These franchises are going to release... At these timescales and we're going to be making this money efficiently I wonder if it did come down to them being like well we've never made an open world game before why don't before we start another big one yeah. we've released one and see what people think of mm. it and yeah. see how it goes down and then we can take that information and then build the other one and it's like often that kind of thinking just doesn't if you look at it from a very like uh, simple basis of when games start development and when they come out, that doesn't seem to happen very often. Mm. Of it being like, oh, sometimes it'll be a case of a game will come out and it'll be like, that was a success. Yes, you've got your sequel green there. But often it's this thing of like, kind of things just getting made constantly and it doesn't feel like there's ever actually on a publisher level any time for reflection, yeah. any time for being like, what 
really like what, what do we need to just completely change and it feels like by the time there might be some reflection it might be like oh god take those quests out everyone hated them but it, not on a kind of bigger structural level of being like well what like maybe we need to just change this maybe just maybe this is a terrible idea like, well, you is know. it you know is it any surprise that the witcher is self-published like, no, no so yeah that kind of that probably puts it in perspective they don't have this huge arm going Get no, of course, of course, We're and that's what's, for this. That's what's like, funny because it, it it would have been that if if The Witcher Three had been rubbish, um, and then they'd already like got a way into twenty seventy seven, that would have been a nightmare. Mm. Surely they would have been running off a lot of the same assumptions. As it is, they probably actually, if they'd had the like you know mm. the ability to split the teams, they probably could have because actually. They did a good job, but maybe they didn't know that. And I kind of appreciate that. that They didn't just go in being like, we're the best. (laughs) We can make four games at once. (laughs) In the way that lots of studios like seem to. I do feel like they're... um, And you you can often see it when you talk to people from CD Projekt as well. I do feel like they feel like they're they're really riding a cool wave right now. Mm. And they're they're, they're really at the top of their game. And um, yeah, it must be nice for them. Because I don't think they've ever really been at the top of their game. They've been respected by certain groups of people who've played the two kind of. No, I wouldn't. I'd never say they were mediocre, but no. like they were always they, niche. they made great games that were very niche and that did have some really, really uh, glaring kind of issues. Um, and now they are just the darlings. Like everyone's like They're fucking brilliant, and they must be. They must be absolutely loving that. Mm. So I think I think they've earned it, and they, they think they they really really deserve to, you know, the, the ability to make. Uh, a follow-up to Witcher 3 that everyone will buy and some people will definitely, definitely go into shit on because that's how life works. Yeah. But, um, I'd love I th- it, frankly, I th- I th- if I they think... became the next rock star. I really would. Oh, yeah, it would be amazing. God. I think their story, is uh, CD Projekt's story, is, is, is really incredible. I think they've, they've, they've done so well. So. It is a great read, actually. I'm making out to make sure I post a link to the, the story of this year on Eurogamer because it is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we actually we've blown way over the usual time, so I think we're not going to have time for for uh, questions this week. No, I'm afraid. Fuck questions. Um, I like them. We actually get good ones sometimes. But oh, I have since amazingly um, actually did it on time last time. We had a couple of questions. I didn't publicise it because we get too many and it's too much. But I'll tell you now, if you go to coolghost.net forward slash Darth Souls, actually no, it's forward slash Darth. Slash, just go to Cool Ghosts and there's a <laughs> button that says Darth Souls and then there's a button that says Ask Questions. And you can ask questions there. And next week we'll endeavour to do a bunch of questions. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening to Dark Souls. Obviously brought to you by CoolGhost.net. This seems really weird. <laughs> That's your that. publisher. It is. It's technically. Get this fucking podcast out, Lee's. Okay, I'm sorry, Mr. Lee's. My boss is a dick. <laughs> He's also me, oh. which is really annoying because I have to sleep with him. Can you name any cool ghosts? We were talking about this earlier. <sighs> There's the ghost of John Belushi. Oh, Slimer. he is cool. Classic. Yeah. That's all I got. He's apparently John Belushi is apparently a real ghost as well. Casper and his teenagers. There's a there's a hotel that apparently has John Belushi's ghost in it. Really? Yeah. Nah. I heard, <laughs> I heard, I heard someone telling it on a podcast, so it's definitely a thing. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be real. Anyway, so, sorry, you ghosts? were wrapping up, and I was just like, "But what about this thing? Ghosts? Sorry. <laughs> it's Halloween weekend now, so I I, I don't know. It's, I don't know about cool ghosts. Actually, we the reason the only reason we chose the name for the website is because it made us laugh. We just thought that's yeah. fucking stupid. So. Robbie Coltrane in that Christmas episode of Blackadder he was a cool ghost there's a lot of cool ghosts around yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes you just can't see them or feel them but you can smell them Stay Puff's a cool ghost um, ghost technically right you got, yeah. anything, you got anything you've done recently 
Like to plug? Uh, I'd like to plug. Uh, just but video gamer. Uh, I mean, everyone knows knows that. I think a lot of people who follow my stuff know about video gamer. Yeah. Uh, video game stuff is is excellent these days. I would talk so. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you to say. Um, yeah, we're 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 still doing stuff. I think we're in a sort of weird transitionary period now. We've You've got, killed Miller, haven't you? We've killed Miller. We've got uh, we've got another member of staff coming in. We don't know who it's going to be yet. Um, although we should know pretty soon. And uh, we're kind of like. What the hell? What, what fuck do we do after the Miller report? So I don't know. Um, hey, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> you just um, sort of do something else and get used to it not being as good. No, pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we'll. Uh, yeah, we're, we're still we're still deciding what we're gonna do. No, the, it's a lot of fun meantime. if you're if you're a fan of kind of like daft kind of um, yeah. magazine old school sort of magazine style things of just stupid characters and. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are having fun with stuff, then do check out video gamer videos. Uh, I think I shouldn't just, have to tell people this, but I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, no, it's very nice to hear you do it though, so thank you. <laughs> no, sure. but I think we should uh, I think it's probably just like I think Burns keeps going on about getting his own fucking series doing something. <laughs> He's like, Why don't you just fucking film me, innit? Like you yeah, doing what? <laughs> Such a difference. I could not get him in front of camera for love nor money when I was there. He was a nightmare. I remember there was he, he one. He can't get enough of it now. In fact, he insists on um, fronting stuff. It's, it's great. Unbelievable. It's great. When I was there, I remember I went in for one recording a video, and I think I was like, I think we were playing like PlayStation One or PlayStation Two games on the, the PS3 launch. We thought we'd have a a no PS4 launch. We thought we'd have a day of PlayStation streaming. I sat down and I gave Time Splitters a massive intro and said, "This game came out this." Da, 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 da. And I just said, "Oh, what do you think, Steve?" And he went. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and it was this thing of like, we just started a stream that was going to be hours long and he just left me hanging and it was just this unbelievable just being like, don't fucking do this, don't fuck it, I need you. But now he loves it. Now he's a, yeah. he loves the limelight. It's, it's, it's really, really he would have made my life a lot easier if he just embraced it when I was there. Yeah, I think, I, I, think it, I think he was sort of wary of the camera and then like, I think... Fell in love with it. At some point, the, the sort of the Nathan Barley resurgence happened. I think that was <laughs> that was a big factor, and he was like, "I can, I can essentially be that twat, but real." And I think he loved that idea of just being like being trashbat.cog. And and then from that point on, he's like, "Yeah, I if I'm a Chris Morris character, that works for me." He sort of is your Jonathan, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's what Glass he of Dutch wine, etc. <laughs> he sort of fucking models himself on that shit, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think that might have been. I don't know, probably a few factors, but yeah, he, he fucking loves it now. Good, like, good. I can't get in front of the camera because he's always fucking in front of it. Oh, fuck it. Oh, two very <laughs> different complaints about Steve Burns. <laughs> and that concludes that segment. Yeah. And probably won't be a regular segment. Yeah, he's a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to Dark Souls, as ever. Uh, if you haven't done so already, you can go and give us a little review on iTunes if you want. Do a little star button, write a little thing, get down tonight. Thank you for listening, and as ever, joined by Joe Scobbles. Hello. Well, not as ever, but hopefully have you on more often, because I fucking love you. Oh, and uh, Jim, love you as well. Bye. Goodbye. Bye, love you, bye.